0: hello and welcome to follow me and die today thursday thoughts number seven which is episode number 50 making magic items since there's no call-ins for today i'll just jump right in in advanced dungeons and dragons in order to make a magic item you have to be one level higher than name level So, if you've never played AD&D or don't remember, you're going to ask, what the heck does that mean? Well, in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, there were level titles for each level. And Name Level was a level you reached that described the archetype for the class. So, for a Cleric, High Priest is Name Level. For a Magic User, a Wizard is Name Level. And for a Priest, Ninth Level... One level higher would be 10th level. For a magic user, 11th level for a wizard, 12th level for one level higher. In addition to the level requirement for a magic user, you need the 6th level spell Enchant an Item. In AD&D, you have to roll to see if you know a spell when you reach a certain level if you find it. Well, what if you roll crap and you can't learn that spell? It says you can make magic items. I'd say you can do it without the spell because other spellcasting classes don't have enchant an item. So how do they make them? It's already a money sink, so it'll cost a lot of time and gold. You've got to find the right sort of craftsman to make an item if it's not something you can craft yourself. You've got to find the right materials to make it special and precious. So for me, there are so many complexities to the rules there, I wouldn't go too far. Now, last time I talked about making scrolls and potions, which they can do at 7th level as a magic user, and 7th levels of the other caster classes. And for magic users, they can make potions at 7th level, but they have to have an alchemist. Well, that doesn't make much sense. How can they not know alchemy and be doing all this other spell stuffs? A lot of that, I think, is Gary Gygax's bias against magic users. He couldn't understand why people didn't want to be a fighting man, evidently. I'm thinking not having to be quite so tough to make items. And most items are limited-use items. Not everybody can make a plus-five sword. Not everybody can make a Ring of Three Wishes. There's a lot of game balance built in anyway. Now, Holy Water is like a potion, but unlike a magic user having to be seventh level to make a potion... It only takes a fifth level cleric to make holy water because it requires a third level spell prayer which you get third level spells at fifth level it also requires create water and bless and the big limiting factor is it requires a font either copper silver gold or platinum and the more precious the material used the more holy water you can make and as long as it stays in the font it's holy water If you take it out, it needs to be an especially blessed vial. So there's all kinds of rules and stuff for that. You're not going to have lots of holy water running around unless you've got a fixed location that can support a font. Now, way back in the day, when Griswold was running around with the Red Arrow before their leader decided it was time to challenge the Buchanans for the kingdom, they were in this underground cave and one side cave, Griswold built a hidden shrine and had a font. He made a little bit of holy water and then the earthquake I mentioned collapsed it. So he lost his hidden shrine. One interesting thing my brother has in his game is when a cleric reaches fifth level, they have the option to make a magical holy symbol. And as I mentioned in AD&D, there is a font required for holy water to make a magical holy symbol you sacrifice a font that is consumed by the casting and so the more precious the metal the more you can put into the holy symbol and it's been a long time but basically what you got to do is in a 24-hour period you can cast memorize rest learn more spells and cast again as many spells of a clerical nature in a 24 hour period. And so once created, you have a holy symbol and it is the only magical holy symbol you can have. And you have to be sure and recharge it after you cast a spell out of it. If you don't recharge it within 24 hours, you lose the ability to put that spell back in there. In addition to casting those spells, if you touch a creature of diametrically opposed alignment, and what does that mean? Well, if you look at your nine point alignment system, Chaotic evil is the exact opposite of lawful good or lawful evil is the exact opposite of chaotic good and uh, so forth. It will discharge a spell and cause d6 points of damage per spell level and then that spell is gone from the holy symbol. One time Griswold ran into I believe it was a succubus and he grabbed his holy symbol and slammed it into the succubus and did some damage to the succubus and lost a spell out of it. But the point was, as a cleric, you could choose those spells that were less likely to come in use during combat. Neutralize poison, cure blindness, detect traps, things like that. So that you had them ready and you could load up on more healing type spells. And I've not heard of anybody else having something like that. And the power balancing is you only get one of those. You can't make another one until it's destroyed and so you're not going to intentionally destroy it because that would displease your deity so if you run around and keep slamming diametrically opposed creatures with it you'll eventually get rid of it or if you get hit with a fireball and fail your save and it fails it's safe most commonly they're made out of wood or maybe metal depends on your religion but while you can get one at fifth level and Griswold did that because he was desperate for getting all the help he could get waiting to a higher level and getting a more precious font would give you more options for your holy symbol and you would be able to have more than third level spells in there and one of the uh the high priest of main religion in among the hillsmen of car and more, had a holy symbol that i guess was a symbol of office and so who knows what that thing could do but it had some permanent magic in it in addition to whatever other spells were made. So waiting to the right level to make something like that. So you've got the trade-off. Do you want it now when it's pretty tough, but not as great as if you wait? Can you imagine putting a raised dead or a resurrection in one of those things? That'd really come in handy. And that also informed wands, staves, and rods. In my brother's game, most such devices are basically temporary batteries. And after the last spell is cast, just like with the Holy Symbol, you've got 24 hours after the last spell used to put a spell back to recharge it, or you lose that ability. Griswold found a Wand of Ice that had random charges, and it had the three main ice spells, Ice Storm, Cone of Cold, and Wall of Ice. And all the Ice Storm charges were used up. Griswold didn't have the spell. He wasn't even the right level to cast it, as I recall. And so that spell was lost from the Wand of Ice. I believe he also used up all the Cone of Cold. So he basically has a Wand of Wall of Ice, and he can't put more charges in it than the maximum Wall of Ice spells it had. He also reduced the total number of charges that Wand Staves and Rods can have, because a Wand can have like 100 spell levels, or or not spell levels, 100 charges, which one charge per spell level. So that was ridiculous. So he cut it in half, I think it was. And so since some of the spell capabilities of the Wand of Cold were lost, it would take reaching 12th level to have access to the 6th level spell and Shannon Item to try to put that spell back. And as I recall, Griswold's intelligence isn't high enough to do 6th level spells. So even if he makes it to 12th level, which is going to take a long time being triple class and having to divide experience by three to even have a chance to see if he can even know that spell. And then if he can make the roll because of his lower intelligence, he's got like a 55% chance to know a spell. So a lot of spells that Griswold couldn't get because he rolled really bad. So that seems just a little too overpowered. Now, in my brother's game, the one character in the game reached the level of an archmage and enchanted a staff and used permanency to put all kinds of stuff in it. That's also balanced because a permanency, if it's not a certain type of use of that spell, saps the constitution of the caster. So you're limited on how much you can do and certain spells like a magic sword, how many ever pluses you've got, the enchanted item the way my brother does it is you attack and it loses one plus if you don't make it permanent and that well how do you do a clerical magic item that's a plus five holy avenger there's no spell for that there's obviously going to be ritual and so forth why not abstract it a little bit for a magic user and you can still make it cost a lot of money and have lots of limitations as a player, some of the things that you can't do seem a little overkill to me. That That's where I like being able to hack the rules and make things work the way I think they should work. Because as a game master, I can make up whatever magic item I want and have all kinds of weird funky powers to it. And it's practically impossible, rules as written, for players to come up with something like that or very difficult. And they should be able to let their imagination run wild. Now, obviously, there's going to be limitations. And if they want to make some really super powerful item, I'm going to make them have to seek out some really rare components and come up with something to make it really hard for them to do something that's got the potential to change the balance of the game so that if they succeed, they've earned it. And that's the thing with an open world game You've got to be willing to let your players burn it down. And if they want to make some really high-powered, powerful magic item, there's going to be consequences for that because people are going to take note and say, oh, that threatens me, I'm going to have to take care of them. Who's it going to attract? There's ways to balance it out. Don't be afraid to hack the rules. Make it work the way you think it should work. It's your game. After all, if you're the game master, you can do anything. And if your particular rule set's not doing it for you, the great thing about the OSR is you can pick from different game systems. They don't even have to be based on D&D. You can take an idea from any game system you want, whether it's a totally different game, a clone of an existing game. There's so many different people with so many different ideas. You can find something that will help you figure something out. And that's the thing. Back in the day, we didn't necessarily understand that we could figure it all out. I really struggled way back in the day with how to make up a monster, how to come up with a table, how to do this, how to do that. And it's just because I didn't see a good example of how to do certain things. Some of my ideas may not trip the trigger of everybody that sees them, but it worked for what I was after. And I try to make stuff that I find useful that scratches an itch that I need. And that's the beauty of the OSR. If you want something and you can't find something that quite matches what it is you're looking for, you can make your own. That's a little bit about making magic items, using magic items. And in the Sunday game that we play, I've got a magic user character, and he made a magic staff that has the ability to drive off low-level undead because we were running into a lot of them and even though we had a cleric having a little extra backup with that was helpful and it can do some other things to undead he was a lower level spellcaster and he was able to make the item basically he had to have bits and parts from undead and some other fantastical type creatures to make it and he had the cleric character cast bless on it or something so it was a combination effort and it's Pretty decent against skeletons and zombies and maybe ghouls, but you get above a ghoul and it's a little less effective, and didn't do hardly anything to a vampire. So there was balance. If I'd have made it at a higher level, it'd probably be much more effective. And that was a whole brand new idea from a new game master. And this is using AD&D, and this is a current Sunday game. And so there's lots of ways you can make magic. And creating magic items work for you. So I'd be interested to hear, how do you handle creating magic items in your game? Has that come up yet? If it has, what rule system are you using? Do you do it rules as written if that rule set has rules about it? If it doesn't have rules, what rules did you come up with? Call in and let me know. I'd like to end with a few questions for my listeners. Is there a topic that you'd like me to cover? For example, do you struggle with an aspect of running a game or preparing for it? Is there a past episode of the podcast or even a post from my blog that you'd like me to cover in more depth? Please let me know. So far, all the comments I've received indicate that my listeners like the direction of my podcast and the number of listeners is slowly climbing. That's a good sign. And it's all of your comments and encouragement that shapes the direction of this podcast. If you like what you hear, please let me know. If you'd like me to go into more detail, let me know. And if there's a particular topic you want me to bring up on the podcast i'd really like to hear about it and in spite of anchor regularly trying to get me to monetize my podcast i refuse to do so if you want to support me you can back my patreon or buy one of my growing list of pdfs available on one bookshelf that's shorthand for drive Through rpg and rpg now you can buy my t-shirt from teespring Or you can use the affiliate links for One Bookshelf or Game Science Dice on my blog. And probably more important than money, just tell me and tell others about my podcast, blog, and PDFs. And it's the day the comments and listens stop that I'll have to reevaluate my efforts at podcasting. I like to game and talk about games. And because I've got more ideas than I'll ever be able to use as a game master in any game I run, I decided to share them. It's really cool that people think my ideas are interesting, especially my stories from back in the day. The older you get, the more you have stories of back in the day, whatever it is, not just games. While my children roll their eyes at me because I've told some of the same stories more than once, it's interesting to have a new audience and to get the feedback. I really appreciate each and every one of you. I hope you're having an awesome day. Thanks again for listening and game on.